The Real Food Reel is proudly sponsored by Melrose Health. Founded in 1979, Melrose Health has been delivering improved health over three decades by developing natural, delicious and innovative health foods from the best natural and organic ingredients. Their healthy kitchen oils range has just launched and includes my favourites, liquid coconut oil, grass-fed ghee and avocado oil. Visit melrosehealth.com.au or check out at Melrose Health on Instagram to learn more. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Worth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Ali McLean, Katie Pettuccini, and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness, and optimizing your health, metabolism, and longevity. While you're tuning into today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Real. In episode 209 of The Real Food Real, we are again joined by our regular guest, Kale Brock. In today's episode, we explore the impact of storytelling, which we hope inspires you when you are sharing the real food message or newfound knowledge with your loved ones. We then explore the latest Monsanto scandal, what's happening with the Dietitians Association of Australia, the Gut Summit, and so much more. Hello, Kale. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Steph. Thanks for having me on again. Very good. So we've got a slightly different angle today just to really kind of explain more about, you know, what you've done over the years and and how you love to deliver information. I definitely think that, you know, stories or is or are one of the angles that you love to educate on and, and definitely what you're doing more and more recently. So tell us more about, you know, what you do and, and why you do it in this way. Hmm. Uh, this sort of goes back to uh, being young and watching movies over and over and over again. Uh, I don't know if movies or books had as big an impact on other people as they did me, but I just remember being obsessed with books and films and I think I watched Shrek probably about 25 or 30 times and even now I can still pretty much follow along word for word the entire first film of Shrek, (laughs) which is a skill, mind you. Um, So that is what I was sort of obsessed with growing up and when I became a journalist, an official journalist when I was 19 at Totally Wild for Channel 10, but um, when I was working for Surfing South Australia when I was 16, I sort of had all these obsessions with different stories and back then it was surf films and watching surf films and how they were put together and seeing the beautiful marrying of 
sound and visuals and watching how that tended to have a massive impact on how the story came across. Um, that sort of got me obsessed with the process. And when I started at Totally Wild, I had some moments at the start where I was just sort of following, um, I was sort of following a bit of a standard procedure and not really getting into my flow and creative zone. And one day I had a particular story. We were doing a story on the MFS, the Metropolitan Fire Service, and it was their 50, oh, it was 150 year anniversary or something significant like that. And I wrote this story that was so obligatory and boring. And I sent it off to one of the producers in Brisbane and she was a sort of a, a substitute. She was like a stand in for a little bit because someone was away or something. And um, normally it was kind of like get the, yeah, this is okay. Change a few words here, blah, blah, blah. But she actually called me and was like, yo, what is this? <laughs> this is crap. And um, it sort of took me by surprise. And we ended up having a couple of hour conversation where she completely flipped my perspective on story and probably took me back to when I was 16 where it mattered a lot. And a lot of people find this, I guess when they start something that they loved and they turn it into their job, it can become a little bit obligatory and, and boring and you end up just sort of going through the processes. And she was able to sort of take that out of the equation and, and flip the switch on what became much more of an obsession with the craft and cultivating a, a visual and audio, audio, audio experience for the viewer and working a storyline and an arc and finding an arc in every single story. So that story ended up being the, the MFS story ended up being one of my favorite ones to watch. It was only four minutes, obviously it's totally wild, but we started off and we ended up asking the firefighters to put the sirens on at the start of the show and roar out into the street with me in the car. And it was this full on adventure thing. And then we sort of started at the end by saying, this is what the five, fighters do um, but how do they get here and then we weave this entire story where we got to go through some of their most exciting exercises like they were going into these smoke rooms and it was filled with I don't know smoke I guess and they were like walking through there in these exercises and just visually stunning stuff and when I saw that story come together it was like okay this is this is where it's at I'm actually interested in doing this now and, you know, I was with Totally Wild for another year after that and then went off on my own and never really lost the idea of becoming a storyteller in a visual form. In um, So it could, be, it could have been books. It could have been, I hope, uh, a lot more films uh, and video-based storytelling. And I guess it's an ancient art of passing down information because before we started writing so much, even in, you know, Dreamtime stories here in Australia with the Indigenous Australians, those stories were passed down generation to generation. It was a very revered position in the tribe to be able to pass on those stories. You know, it was reserved for the elders and, and um, the old men of, of the group to, and the women as well to share these stories and pass them down to the next generation because within story often there is a, a lesson or two to be learned. And whether you're talking about gut health and whether we sort of went off into Namibia with the gut movie and weaved in a pretty big compelling story with the gut movie 
and used that story as a vehicle on which to deliver gut health information or whether it's my next film, which will be sort of more neuroscience-based um, and delivering a bit of a story on that and then delivering neuroscience information and surfing footage and, and all the different things together. I just think it's a really powerful form of delivering a message because I always connected with it and I see consistently the best speakers. Well, in my opinion, the best speakers, the best um, YouTubers, the best filmmakers, the best directors, the best actors are the ones who are obsessed with story and are able to weave together a, a successful, weave together a story successfully um, and really hit the marks where appropriate and deliver different information where appropriate and things like that. So that's kind of where it all started. And along the way I've done, a bunch of different things as you know and as we've discussed in the numerous episodes that we've done together so now I feel like I'm in a space where I'm starting to go through a big shift luckily the gut movie did really well we're about to hopefully go international in a big way and I'm sort of set up to a point where I can actually dedicate most of my time to being creative and being sitting in that right brain space and sometimes sitting back and and juggling a little football or something, waiting for inspiration to strike and then jumping up when it does and sitting down and writing. Like when we wrote, when I wrote um, Mandy, it took me like three days um, of, and I wrote the main, the main part of it, probably two thirds of it in the first sitting. And then the rest of it was tinkering and making sure I was hitting marks and doing all these different things. So that sort of life is one that I've been obsessed with. And even though I'm a millennial and actually I'm not a millennial, what am I? A Gen Y. Um, but I'm very much <laughs> involved with the new age and stuff. My lifestyle has always been one of creativity and that's what I want to chase. So yeah, my, my obsession is in story and it's something that I will pursue for a, for a very long time. So, so cool. I love that. And um, I hadn't forgotten that you were on Totally Wild. So I was just sort of thinking back to my childhood then. So it's good to see, yeah, how things have, have come. And obviously you're still doing it with um, your more recent projects. And you're just so good at getting people to listen to even like really, really important issues. Like I don't get me wrong, everything you talk about is super important. Um, but I think there are some that are probably a little bit more controversial than others, which is really cool. Um, and yeah. you know, you definitely talk about lots of areas of health. Like obviously initially you had quite a big focus in gut health, um, and you still do with Mandy's big gut adventure and obviously, um, the ongoing projects, but I love that you're changing gears slightly because there are so many other really important conversations that we need to be having. Totally. And sometimes it takes a different perspective on a topic whether it's taking a very serious topic and turning it into a more lighthearted take or whether it's going the other direction, turning a lighthearted topic into, which is more rare, turning a lighthearted topic into a serious conversation. Um, they're all important ways to draw attention to things. And we've seen numerous uh, individuals, groups bring attention to topics through whether it's humor you know i'm thinking jp sears who i was very lucky enough to interview a, a while back and um even even something like in here in australia the chaser the chaser's war and everything i remember those guys doing some really controversial topics in different ways and i've always respected that and i guess it was time to sort of for me to 
not move on from gut health just yet, but start to branch out and really embrace that other side of, of me, which is being a little bit theatrical and being a little bit melodramatic and trying to be funny and, and doing all those sorts of things. So um, it was always going to happen. It just, I think it sort of built up in me and, and now it's coming out, you know, in a way that I'm comfortable with. I've still got videos that I shot years ago that I just never released because I just thought it wasn't appropriate for the time. Um, but yeah, now I'm sort of in a space where I just, I just don't care anymore. (laughs) I don't know whether that happens as as you get older, but you just stop caring about what people want and what people think. And you start caring more about what's true to you and how you think you can have a positive impact on the world. And that's sort of what I'm chasing at the moment. So cool. I love it. And, um, you're right. Like bringing humor in can be a really good way to get people to kind of get their head out of the sand and and get involved with an issue that is so important. I know more recently you were, um, going quite viral on the socials, as we would say, um, with one of your stories, um, which was essentially a take on the Monsanto board meeting. So, I'd love to dive into this topic because it's huge, obviously, but tell me in your view, like firstly, you know, what's going on and and why this has come up in the media again of late. Yeah. Well, I mean, the big point of late was the four corners report. Mm -hmm. We saw a mainstream media outlet, even though ABC can be, you know, sort of alt left. um, They brought out this story looking at Monsanto's activities over the past 40 years, really and then being involved with Agent Orange and DDT and now glyphosate, which is receiving similar criticism. And then they sort of had a look at their internal strategy documents and emails and there were some embarrassingly poor judgments being made on the company's half, on the company's behalf. And it was I just thought that amongst all the talk of glyphosate being carcinogenic and destroying the sensitive soil ecology and microbiology and all that sort of stuff that we know, I thought there's actually a little bit of humour in this because we still have these imbeciles at the top of the corporate ladder in these companies insisting that we should trust them and that their products are safe when we know they're not. This is ridiculous. This is not a debate anymore. This is how long can this go on before the government finally caves and and bans it? You know, so that's kind of where I was going. I thought this is a bit ridiculous. I've got to actually do a little mock of of these people because they should be criticised. They should be mocked and laughed at and that's what I wanted to do. So that was the whole idea behind the the Monsanto thing. I can't remember when the idea struck me. I think I was watching the story in my bedroom and then I was like, I wonder what their board meetings are like where these these super south um, South American guy who's sort of in charge of, of things wearing his little cowboy hat. So I brought out my Kubra and um, there's the muscle guy who's probably enforcing all these rules and blackmailing people. And then we've got the, the slightly logical guy who's trying to <laughs> move through the, the mess that everybody's making. But it was, yeah. And then I sort of wrote it and, and shot it and, and put it up, I guess. I've been actually stopped in the surf quite a lot and at the beach quite a lot of people who have watched this. So I guess it's making the rounds. Yeah, it sure is. And again, getting us to think about a global issue that's so significant. And yeah, I think they they are 
they're still fighting hard to try and hide the truth, which is horrendous because, like you said, it's not a debate anymore. The research is clear and, and they're in court and they're having to pay out, I don't know if it's billions yet, in, in damages. And it's a huge... $290 million. Okay, good. Interesting. Okay. Um, mm. Yeah, and onwards and upwards now. I mean, that's just the precedent, yeah? So I think that's going to be a fascinating space to watch. Yes. But something I think that, you know, we really have to talk about in Australia and um, get everyone really aware so we can create change from grassroots level. I love that. Yeah, people need to start talking about it. That's how you incite change is mm-hmm. getting discussion happening. And you can still disagree like you and I might disagree on something to do with health. I don't know. You prefer yoga. I prefer surfing. We could debate on that Mm -hmm. and that would get people talking about the benefits of yoga versus the benefits of surfing, for instance. Mm -hmm. Um, They're probably quite similar. But anyway, that's just an example. Um, So I think these things are really important in getting people talking and breaking down what could be a potentially sensitive issue. I mean, there are so many, right? People are so easily offended right now. Political correctness has gone so, so far. Um, and I think that's sort of the role of, and I've always had a massive respect for comics and comedians who can take a topic and just rip it down, rip it to pieces, and then piece it back together in a way that empowers the listener or the viewer to actually make their own decision. And that's all I, I try and do. So with that, you know, I mean, and this is, light, this is a lighthearted take on, on what's going on. And it is a very serious issue and I do get passionate about it. Um, but you know, I still have people in my family even who go, oh, it's so safe. You could drink it. There's nothing wrong with glyphosate. And I just think, how are your head, is your head that far in the sand that you don't know what's going on? How is this okay? And sometimes the only way to reach people is by going, you know what, <laughs> let's make fun of the whole thing. Let's just turn it into a comedic skit and hope that people see it and get, get talking and yeah, that's what I did. I mean, it's an easy topic though for someone in the health industry because everyone in the health industry is on board with with being anti-glyphosate. Uh, it would be much braver of me to tackle some other topics, but I don't know if I'm quite there yet to, to really <laughs> stretch out and, uh, and do those because quite often um, really sensitive topics, whether it's oh, I don't know, whether it's the, the Me Too movement or whatever, quite often they're too one-sided at a certain time and you've got to sort of let it simmer for a moment before you, you add some perspective. Um, but, yeah, no, I think, I think it's a very important role in society to joke and criticise and offend people who are easily offended and um, really pull people back into reality. And that's, yeah, that's what I was trying to do with that one. Love it. So, so cool. And then earlier, I believe you were, um, I guess, talking more about the really quite recent news from the Dietetics Association of Australia. You know, many people are really surprised to learn that they ever had corporate sponsors, but obviously the CEO came out to share with the Australian public that his goal was to sever the ties with the big, I guess, the big food companies, yeah? Yeah. And um, people were really quite blown away by the setup that has been as it is in Australia for all these years. Talk to us more about that. Yeah, and I, I want to say at the start that this is reflective of Australian politics right now. They are in bed with industry. And we need 
a clear separation between industry and government if we are interested in having a political system which represents us, the people, and not the corporations. It's a massive issue. And there was a beautiful article actually on this, and I'll come back to DAA, but there was a wonderful article that The Guardian wrote, someone at The Guardian wrote, uh, about pharmaceutical influence in, in government and uncovered that they were donating millions of dollars to both political parties around, especially around election time. And then there's a revolving door scenario where 25% of politicians or 25% of lobbyists basically are ex-politicians. And, you know, that capitalises on that relationship building and, and there's all these conflicts of interest going on. I mean, we saw that with Malcolm Turnbull and his wife owning significant shares in pharmaceutical companies. That should not be allowed. Um, so anyway, th- this is reflective of the entire Australian political sphere at the moment. There is a, a big calling for change, which is so fantastic and I'm really excited about it. And I, I spoke about that in the My Health Record videos as well, which is kind of on the same path is, is how much influence do we want from either the government or corporations on our lives. You know, they're actually meant to run things from afar and not interfere too much on our freedoms and then they're actually doing that they're actually inflicting too much control on us and anyway coming back to the daa thing basically which was great i think a great move they've split with their corporate sponsors and apparently it was an amicable decision between both parties sort of saying that <laughs> i loved it how they said well the perception is that we are influenced by this money that's coming in from the big food companies um, so well, apparently it wasn't the reality uh, because they had policies in place to protect and ensure their independence. But as we know, um, when, you, when you have big companies paying for things, they, it's a service. They expect something in return. So that's kind of uh, what I went into with the DAA episode. But I did talk about as well, I mean, in the health space, there was a lot of criticism. I mean, there was a lot of people saying like, oh, they should be sued and, and brought to court and all these different things. And I think, just calm down, people. Like, we don't need to go that far. This is the DAA. 80% of what they say is probably very responsible and, and quite true. And there are in the fact that they say whole foods, lots of vegetables, um, they're actually moving to a space where they're starting to say organic is important and as with every industry, there's a large disparity between practitioners. We have some very bad practitioners and we have some very good practitioners, practitioners who are saying, yes, have the bone broth, have the coconut oil, fix your gut and blah, blah, blah. And then we have at the other end of the spectrum, no, you can just have the Gatorade and the blue Gatorade powder and you can, you know, coconut water is useless and blah, 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 blah. Uh, you need sugar if you're going to be trying to put on weight. If you're going through chemo, we're going to put you on all this jelly and blah, blah, blah. You know, so we have a very, a very starkly varying um, quality of practitioner in this space. So I just sort of wanted to say to people, calm down. This is a good thing. This is in response to public pressure. And what it means is they are responding to our criticism and our pressure to actually change. This is great. And I sort of think that we maybe need to redirect our criticism and attention and frustration and civil disobedience to an industry that truly deserves it, probably even more so, and that's the pharmaceutical industry. 
you know, the too, for too long have these companies been getting away with very questionable behaviour and too much sway over governmental health policy. We need to actually shine a light on this and stop being scared of uh, recriminations from criticising them. And I was initially, but now I'm because I see my future is not so dependent on having a having the health space. Um, I start to go, well, you know what, my, with my position and, and having the following that I do, I think that it's my responsibility to actually call out this shonky behavior. So that's kind of, um, I keep saying that's kind of, I'll stop saying that. So that's where I've been going with these sort of, videos is to try and call out things that need to be called out and i think with the daa thing the daa fiasco it's a positive move honestly if we can establish a body a nutritional and dietetics body in australia that is truly independent and guys it'll take time because they're not going to just change their perspective and their recommendations straight away because that inherently is an admittance of guilt that yes we were being swayed so they will change slowly over time i think we'll see a larger uh, emphasis on recommendations for eating organic a larger emphasis on uh, vegetables and growing your own foods and probiotics and looking after your gut health and less of an acceptance for poor quality grains and ill prepared grains and sweet foods less of an acceptance to them and that's a great thing imagine if the dietetics association the daa was all of a sudden on board with 95 98% of what us woke individuals think um and and know that a whole foods diet that's you know organic in nature and as fresh as possible and doesn't overindulge on any different areas of of the food uh, kingdom is one that will induce or be conducive to longevity. Imagine if we have all of a sudden a very mainstream body on board with this. That's great news. So, yeah, I think that we need to sort of, again, have some perspective with these things and sort of take them with a grain of salt. Yeah, amazing. I agree. I totally agree. I think one, it's the awareness, but two, it looks like they've finally got someone in charge that has that broader view of improving the DAA from where it's at. So lifting them as an organisation and obviously the flow-on effect of that down to the Australian people is massive. Like we only look around to realise what health crisis we are currently in and you would have to have been living under a rock to not realise the significant influence that our previous dietary choices have on the health status in the West, not just Australia alone, obviously. So yeah, I think you're right. It's going to take time, but I think it's really exciting to see these changes starting now and where things will go. Yeah, totally. And you can understand Pete's reaction, for instance, Pete, Pete Evans, because he's he's been sort of going to war with these guys for mm-hmm. quite a long time and good, good on him to he's been defending his beliefs and mostly being quite polite. Well, you know, being relatively polite in the process as polite as you need to be when you're trying to affect change. And he sort of reacted in that initial way of saying, yep, this is one step. Now this is all this, but I think we need to celebrate our wins in this space. 
because we have a lot going against us. Australia is just as corrupt as America is. We're just a little bit more relaxed about it. So we need to really celebrate our wins. This is a big win and... Yes, we need to continue down this path of public pressure, of calling out poor behaviour in a way that aligns with you and doesn't make you feel uneasy or toxic or, or something like that. And that's probably why, coming back to where we were initially discussing things, that's probably why I end up doing things in comedy because it's a little bit uh, more forgiving in terms of how it's received and things like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And quite controversial, but again, out there in, in the Australian public and um, something will definitely pop in the show notes for those that haven't watched your more recent videos. So the last topic for today I wanted to touch on was another project of yours um, that I think is coming up pretty soon. So the Gut Healing Summit, tell us all about this. Yeah, so it's it's the gut summit. So we've dropped the word ah, healing. Okay, uh, <laughs> part of me <laughs> towards uh, being minimalistic. Oh, they're so hipster. Um, we've yes, we've, we've done that. It's called the gut summit, and it's sort of an extension to the gut healing summit, which you were involved with. It comes back to that idea that when you get five hundred people in a room together, there's always a better outcome because people are feeling inspired and excited and. They feel that there's a lot more energy and it's more accepted. There's a community around this and I'm sort of bringing together who I think are some of the best practitioners in Australia when it comes to gut health uh, to the stage for, for a one-day event in Perth, Adelaide and Sydney. And then uh, we did skip Melbourne this time because we it's a time thing. I've actually got to go and shoot my next film um, in America and stuff. So we, we're going to hit those three major ones and – turn it into a hopefully a really fun, exciting and, and comprehensive event where we do get a little bit hacky. You know, I'm against that, but we do get a little bit hacky where appropriate and then always bring it back to that underlying fundamental message of, of gut health. And it sort of gives people an opportunity to ask questions and come out for dinner and hang out with the, with the speakers and find a community and join a tribe of people who are on the same path. Um, that's something that I learned when I was doing the gut movie tour. I mean, I can't even remember if we chatted, but it was such a hectic time for me. But it was such a cool experience because people were in the room together. You know, we did the Gut Healing Summit and it did really well online and that was great. But what was missing was that crucial element of in-person experience an in-person interaction and that's what we're going to do with the um the gut summit so yeah we may um it's not confirmed yet but we may for people who are sort of in melbourne and brisbane and things like that we may try and work out a way where we can deliver it online um but that'll sort of be uh tba on that one <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Can't wait to hear more and we'll definitely stay tuned and um, I encourage everybody to get involved. So super cool. So much on your plate, but no, no um, surprises that you're still making time to get out in the surf. And I think it's hilarious that people pull you up and start talking to you about Monsanto. So cool. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's, it's such an important part of my life and I don't get to discuss it too much because the health industry is not interested in my surfing habits, but <laughs> um, it is such an important part of my life, living, 
living in flow and finding flow state every single day. And I suppose I am bringing that into my work with a lot of the discussions that I've had lately. I've talked about flow with you and my next film. Most, a lot of people know now it's the cat's out of the bag is going to be on flow, on flow state. And um, that's what we're traveling to the US for and hopefully doing some, some filming with some of the best people in the world when it comes to this idea. And we've seen mental health develop a big, um, some big advancements lately. And I think that it's going to be the next gut health talking about mental health for the next 10 years. I think it's going to be the next sort of thing that we all talk about. Um, already it's, it's almost there and, and rightly so we've got over 300 million people around the world suffering from depression or anxiety. That's a huge, huge number of people uh, who really need help. And, and again, I don't know if you even asked a question here, but I sort of took it, <laughs> took it and went with it, the surfing thing. Um, you find that when those people who experience flow state more often are actually more likely to be happier, to be more productive, more successful, um, and just have more life satisfaction. So I think that something so powerful that's often free and it's easy to do, as you would know, with, with yoga, yoga is all about flow. Um, if we can bring that more into our lives, then I think we're going to be a lot happier as a society. And again, it, I mean, one of the biggest things is, and the health space is, is guilty of this, we all still think we're very separate. We're actually not. We are a community. We are, and I know it sounds cheesy and cliche, but we are actually one. Uh, we're all connected by uh, what's in the air and the energy in the air and, and it all just blends into one strange little dance of energy going on in this weird universe and everything we do has a big impact on that flow, that 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 choreography of what's going on in, in the energy in the world. So I think that the more we can reduce this idea of separateness and which is pushed on us in a big way, and this is probably relevant to how we've been having this discussion, if we can separate the masses, we're much easier to control. If these people in charge can create fear in us and create division in us, then we're much easier to control because we're operating from a place of fear. Whereas if we are together and we acknowledge that we're allowed to have different opinions and have different beliefs, but we can still be a community and still be one and still love each other, then we're much harder to control and, and dictate. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get to a point where everybody's happy and relaxed and we have a <laughs> totally authentic government and totally... Um, <laughs> a totally appropriate agenda and all these different things. But I think if we inch a little bit closer every single year with people becoming more awake and more alive and happier and healthier, then I think the world looks a lot more positive. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that was a long way of saying, yeah, I surf every day and it's funny that people talk about it. <laughs> <So. laughs> no, we like hearing your little, I like your philosophy that you add to um, our conversation. So it's cool just to learn more about you and, and what, you're, what you're looking at really prioritizing more and more into the future. So you can talk for as long as you like. <laughs> oh, well, I've got this. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 
Awesome, mate. Well, we can't wait to um, obviously get onto your Facebook and, and follow some of the stories that you've been releasing and get involved with the Gut Summit, of course. So much more coming from there, no doubt. So thanks again for your time today and we look forward to having you back very soon. Thanks, Steph. And, um, yeah, if people want, I didn't, I don't think I mentioned tickets and stuff, but most mm-hmm. of the stuff is at, at Kale's Broccoli on, on social media. So that's probably the easiest way to to find all this sort of stuff we're talking about. Beautiful. Head to the show notes team. And thanks again, Kyle. Chat soon. Thank you. See ya. Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Real. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.